I've got to be completely honest, that's the bit that I was dreading having to do. But thank you, Collins, for having stepping up. But I do think it was just so important to read the whole thing. I think it is so impressive, just the volume that was having to be done, the people that were involved. You saw um, high priests, you saw goldsmiths, you saw uh, daughters. It was just a whole range of people just coming together to build the walls. And actually, I feel like it just gave me goosebumps to have that community. I don't know if you've been in a football stadiums when you've got everyone coming together for a common purpose, for a common goal, drawn together with different differences. I'm sure there are disagreements and all this stuff going on, but they came together with that same vision that Nehemiah had. But I feel like it all started a couple of chapters ago, which has been preached already by Tony and Simon and John, uh, about this narrative of this story of a man who was burdened uh, for his people and determined to see Jerusalem restored, God's kingdom restored. This book, this book sets this mindset of our, of our own rebuilding, of our own homes and families and workplaces and our local communities. That in this chapter we see that amazing unity and teamwork that they couldn't have done it on their own. Side by side, rebuilding their beloved city. Now I've got some experience of needing to rebuild a wall. Um, it might come up next. This was my wall. Uh, I'd had COVID for a week, uh, but you had to isolate for two weeks. So I went out to Asda, that queue where you had to line up uh, two metres behind each other. Had to do all of that. And I came back to my, uh, my house, my flat, and this had happened. Um, it was a bit of a shock. Uh, we'd, we'd lived there for about seven, eight years. My wife had lived there for far longer than that, 20-odd years. And this is what I experienced. I just felt like when Tony preached last week about Nehemiah walking among the, um, the rubble, very much this was rubble. It was now useless. Um, as you can see, you can see our beautiful garden behind it now. It was all exposed <laughs> to the world. Um, and yeah, and this is, this is where we then spent the next two years enjoying this little space here that we couldn't go out any further once a day for our, our exercise. Um, and actually, it, was, it, took, uh, it wasn't such a momentous task to fix, but this is what I was faced with. I was faced with a wall that uh, exposed uh, my house to the elements. Um, and actually, to reflect on it on the flip side, it was a really blessing, actually. I met more of my neighbours than I'd never met before as we were enjoying our garden. We were talking to people from the outside and people really joining together. But actually, it was sort of, uh, yeah, it really reminded me of this. We've moved now, so we don't own that wall anymore. Um, but anyway, so there's a lot of names and details in this chapter. There was a lot of work that had to happen. Uh, but don't, don't get torn aside. And actually, I feel like when I was looking at this and deciding what areas to focus on, there's so much in this. You've got a dung gate. You've got bread ovens. How amazing would that have been to build the bread ovens rather than, than, than the dung gates? There are so many different ways to sort of go with this. Um, but I feel like, again, it was the goosebumps moment. It was that story of name after name after name standing side by side like a Roman wall, like uh, the film 300 when it's just sort of like you're you are side by side. If you're not, if one of you break, then the whole thing's gone. But actually, when you come together in unity, it's beautiful. And that is how it is meant to be. Building this 
community in God's kingdom on earth. It was all about community and coming together. And Jerusalem was that city on a hill. It was the light of the world representing God's rule. And as we heard from Ezra, uh, that, that rule, that light on the hill had sort of lost its shine. It had been forgotten. It had been neglected and infected by the people's selfishness, by their idolatry and sinful sexual practices falling well short of the covenant with God. Nehemiah is detailing God's commitment to his people in this book that he, that he made in Genesis. That he is the ultimate author of the kingdom, the ultimate rescuer, and the ultimate saviour. That in spite of our daily rebellion and opposition and falling short of God, he, he is with us and in us. Whether they knew it or not, at this time, they were only a few generations away from Jesus coming to live, to die, and rise again. And he would guide his people outside of the walls of Jerusalem in mission to establish God's reign over all nations. So let us approach Jeremiah 3 with open hearts, with open minds, uh, and ready to learn from the examples of these ancient builders as they apply as as we apply those lessons to our lives and communities today. So there's three things that we're going to look at for chapter three. Uh, We're going to look at the importance um, of being part of God's body, the importance of working in unity, and the importance of humility and obedience. So the value of, so the, being part of God's body As we read through these names and descriptions of the people who worked on the wall, we see that each person had a specific role to play. From the priests to the goldsmiths, everyone had a a part to play in rebuilding Jerusalem. And this passage teaches us that each person's unique contribution was to make, to work out God's work, and no one was insignificant in his eyes. That every member of God's body has a part to play. And that role to play was to rebuild that wall, to rebuild Jerusalem. And in the same way, God values every single one of us in this church, regardless of our backgrounds or occupations. No one is too small or insignificant to make a contribution to the work of God. And we must recognize that in each other as well and encourage us, each other, to use our unique gifts and abilities for him. And Jesus spoke about this importance of the individual parts of the body, one not being more important than the other. In 1 Corinthians 12, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. Or if the ear should say, am I not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, as he wanted them to be. Jesus also told the story of the lost of, of the lost sheep. A farmer has a hundred of them, um, and he loses one. So he's only got ninety nine anymore. And instead of just saying, "Oh well, don't worry about that one. I've got ninety nine more," he goes out and looks for it. 
And this is the beautiful image that God cares for each one of us and will search and pursue each person in Matthew 18. God values each individual. He uses you in, your, in, in his plans. He gives you gifts in the locations that you're in to benefit the whole. And if he hasn't, he will give you it. Nehemiah 3 displays a greater importance message, though, than that individual effort. And the importance of actually, we need, to be, we, need, we need each other to accomplish God's purposes. In Nehemiah 3, we see that everyone had a role to play in rebuilding the wall. No one could have accomplished that task on their own. I'm not sure if you know much about walls. Um, if that was the only wall you've seen, then you'd think that they lie on the floor. Um, but, and in particular city walls, um, the, the idea is that they have no gaps or weaknesses of any sort, and that is what is required. Now, we luckily live in a great city of London, uh, and London had a fantastic wall. Um, and actually, you can still go and see it. Um, in part, it still stands at nearly 10 metres tall uh, and nearly f- 2 to 4 metres thick. I, s- I would have trouble climbing over some of these parts of this wall, and I would also have trouble trying to get through it. But unfortunately, the wall isn't quite there anymore, and I could just walk around it. And actually, the weakness in the wall is the gaps, not the individual parts. Some parts were made extremely well. This, this wall was made a long time ago, and it's still standing now. But actually, it is fallen apart. And, and, and as you could read that repetition, and when you're reading a Bible passage, it's always good to get that repetition. What is the writer trying to get, get across? And more than 30 times, you hear the words next to. And without the person next to you joining in, contributing to their effort, next to your effort, then your effort will be in vain. Your bit will look fantastic in front of your house, will be brilliant, and it will look all shiny, but ultimately the enemy can just go around. You need each other to build the kingdom. God has given us these unique gifts and purposes for a reason. And we need each other to accomplish that will. We did a whole series about the Holy Spirit. And, and in our life group, we was just discussing just how important the individual gifts are. Yes, but only when it's in partnership with all of the others. And actually, we need to value and accept each other's contributions. And in Jesus, we had that example of the body, that the eye and the ear and the foot and the hand were so important. But actually, they're all joined to the body. The body is one. They're not on their own. They're not going off. Um, yeah, they're not going off on their own, doing their own thing. They're working together in unity. And the same with the sheep. God could have cared for that sheep out in the field on its own, but it didn't. He brought him back in again. That shepherd drew that sheep back in again into the fold of the hundred, not leaving it on its own. It's meant to be part of, of the group. So however small our contribution is, God can use it. In Nehemiah 3, we see some individuals working on large sections of the wall. And then we see other people working on very small sections of the wall. But each contribution is as important as the other, regardless of its size. And likewise, in our lives as believers, our contributions to God's work is equally valid. We must not underestimate the value of our contributions, but instead we must take them up to him in humility and gratitude. Jesus also talks about this, how important every effort is in Luke 21, 1-4. 
As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting two small copper coins. Truly I say to you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All the others gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. But in all she had to live on. The widow gave everything. It might have been a small amount, but her gifts were more than the rich who gave in their abundance. We also have the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, that a tiny amount of fish and bread from a boy could feed 5,000 people. Jesus didn't look at him and mock him. Jesus didn't look at him and laugh that how, how could you bring such a small amount to me to use. No, Jesus prayed over it and it was shared amongst 5,000 people and more. We are not qualified we're not asked to be qualified. We're not trained to make that assessment of what is enough. We're just called to give and give out of what God has given to us. That is not our place to make that judgment call if we've given enough. Serving him within the body is so important, not just because of the task that you play through God's mercy, but it extends further. It extends further than the small role that you play, that small part that you play in rebuilding the wall, in rebuilding God's kingdom. It's, it's greater than that. The community that worked together to rebuild the wall in Nehemiah 3 was not only successful in accomplishing its goal, but also to grow closer as a result. They experienced the power of community, that joy that comes from working together for that common purpose. And in the same way, we as believers can experience that deep sense of community and fellowship. And this powerful impact can only happen when we work as a whole for the task ahead. Christianity isn't a, spect a spectator sport. You're meant to be getting involved and participating. To use your gifts and what little God has given you for his glory. About 10 years ago or more then, Laura and I really started to feel dis, um, disconnected with THCC. Uh, we'd, be attend be we'd been attending for quite a long time for our sort of single lives and then our married lives. And yeah, we just felt detached from the family. And we were considering to move to another church or other churches. We had a decided at that point but as we prayed God really spoke to us and said serve more get more involved to share our passions and our talents that we had with the community to step out our time and resources and give it to the church and needless to say about 15 years later we're still here uh, building the kingdom and connecting to grow um, to increase our love for the church family and our love for God. In Nehemiah 3, the individuals working on the wall were united in purpose, working together to accomplish goal by completing their task. And this unity allowed them to work efficiently and effectively. Also, in our lives as believers, our contribution is most effective when we work in unity with others. This means putting aside our differences and focusing on our shared goals of furthering God's kingdom. 
Yes, God has individual purposes for our lives. He has given you gifts and have put you in unique situations. But it's for the greater purpose, not for ourselves, not for that one task. When you look at the individuals in the Bible, you see them in the right place at the right time with the right gifts. And if they didn't have it, God gave it to them. Moses being that prime example who feared that he couldn't speak properly and he wouldn't be able to speak articulately to the king. He put his brother there to do it for him. God is going to use you. And when we're united in that, when, when we are united in that essential purpose and that endeavor, it will come to fruition. The people of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 3 were united in their desires to rebuild the wall. Despite their differences, despite their backgrounds, despite their social status, despite if they're men or women, where they lived, they united. And this unity allowed them to work together efficiently to, to accomplish their goal. Likewise, in our lives, we must strive for unity, to seek God's glory and further his kingdom. Unity is so important to God. Tony spoke about the importance of coming to um, raising up any issues that you have with a follow fellow believer before taking community. And this is detailed in 1 Corinthians. Just that importance of stressing just how important it is that we don't have these divisions within the church and that we should drive out any division. Paul just dedicates just huge amounts of his, his, his writing and his books that he did to the divisions in the church to try and resolve divisions and how important it was for that unity among the different believers and the different groups within the churches. So much of his writing was just based on that. And when we work together, our contributions have that powerful effect for the glory of God. Nehemiah 3 presents this powerful image of community, united in purpose, working together to accomplish a momentum task that no one could do on their own. Despite their differences within the city, the people of Jerusalem came together to rebuild the walls that had been destroyed. And this passage just reminds us of the importance of community and cooperation in achieving great things for God. The power of community is about teamwork and that theme of running through the Bible and including the teaching of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to the earth and just do his thing and solve the issues and then leave. He brought people to, with him. He brought together different people from different backgrounds to accomplish the goal. And we see Jesus, that he just didn't just teach it, he did it. He modeled his ministry. As believers, we are called to be that example and work together in community and teamwork to further God's kingdom. The great commission in uh, Matthew 28 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. This is him talking to the disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' command to his disciples was to go and make disciples of all nations, is a call to community and teamwork. He sends them out together and promises to be with them. The mission requires the collaboration of different believers working together to spread God's good news and make disciples. 
The last point is that that the importance of humility and obedience. In order to rebuild the walls and to be successful, people had to be humbled and obedient to Nehemiah's leadership. They had to set aside their own agendas and work together for the greater good. And this passage challenges us to examine our own hearts and motivations in serving God's promises. Are we willing to submit to his work and will together with other believers, even if it means setting aside our own desires and ambitions? And this this idea of humility is key to the service of God. We see that leaders and workers rebuilding the wall will humble themselves and their attitude towards the work. They did not seek recognition or glory for themselves, but rather worked together to accomplish God's purposes. As believers, we, we need to cultivate that similar attitude to humility in our service to God. We must recognize that all of our hearts and all of our talents and abilities come from him and that any success we have is due to his grace and mercy. But with humility, we need obedience to God's commands. And we see that in the working of God's rebuilding of Jerusalem. They did not deviate from their instructions, but instead followed do, do, do diligently and obedience. As, as believers, we need to also seek and obey God's commands in service to him. But this means studying his word, seeking his guidance and his will, even when it's difficult or inconvenient. But ultimately, all of this work isn't for us. It's not for us. It's for God. And we need to attribute every ultimate success to him. We see that despite the hard work and dedication of the leaders and workers, it was ultimately God who enabled them to complete the rebuilding of the wall as quickly as they did. As believers, we recognize that any success we have serving God is ultimately to him. That we must give him all the glory and praise for any accomplishments we achieve. Recognizing that it is only through his power and provision that we are able to serve him effectively. The importance of humility and obedience in serving God is a theme that, that is central to the teaching of Jesus. Jesus talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. In this parable, Jesus contrasts the prayers of the Pharisee and the prayer of the tax collector. The Pharisee boasts about his own religious religiousness and looks down on others while the tax collector humbly confesses his sin and asks for mercy jesus concludes by saying in luke 18 i tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before god for all those who exalted themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted this this is just an illustration of the importance of humility in our relationship with god and others But Jesus again demonstrated it himself in John 6. Throughout his ministry, Jesus repeatedly emphasizes the importance of obedience to the will of the Father. He said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus was obedient to his Father, and his Father led him to the cross 
where he died for the sins of the world. He, the ultimate act of obedience and humility, service as an example to us as fellow believers. So as I close, let us remember that the teaching of Nehemiah 3 find their ultimate fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, humbly and obediently submitted himself to the will of the Father, serving and ultimately sacrificing himself for the redemption of all humanity. Through his death, life and resurrection, Jesus offers us the ultimate example of obedience to God. So as we seek to follow in his footsteps, may we be strengthened and encouraged by his example and may we continue to do the work in unity towards the advancement of his kingdom. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit will continually guide us and empower us to be faithful servants of Christ in the areas that we're in, in the situations that we're in, in the people that we see, in the work that we do, in the people that we interact with, that we are faithful servants for his glory, not our own, and the salvation of the world. I was just going to finish with a reading from Philippians 2 that I think captures the essence of all of this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to to death, even on the cross.